everyone this morning, especially under the situation. I just uh, appreciate everyone being here. As you may know, uh, President Trump has declared today to be a national day of prayer. And I think that's very appropriate in this time of struggles. But I want to encourage us to continue that tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. Uh, you know, we, we need prayers. This country needs prayers. Our world needs prayers. And that's our best remedy for what's going on, is just to pray for our situation. So if you'll join me as we go to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we indeed are so thankful for this day. We're thankful for what it means to us as Christians a day to come together to join our voices, join our hearts, and our spirit with each other. Father, that is just so en enriching, and Father, we want to do that in your name. Father, we know that there's situations worldwide that sometimes we just don't understand, and we just want to put that in your hands, Father. We want you to watch over this situation, be with our world leaders, we pray that they can work together to, to use the knowledge that they have to help each other and their willingness to work together. Father, that's just so important. Father, we pray for our, our country here, for our leaders, for our president, and all of those in his administration that are, that are desperately working to help us through this situation. There's so many lives that are affected, so many businesses, so many individuals that are struggling Father, we, we want to just put that in your hands. Father, we pray earnestly that you support them and guide them, and your will will uh, guide them in the decisions they make. Father, for our state leadership, our governors, our city mayors, Father, there's so many decisions that they're making. Father, we pray that you'll guide them and protect them as they uh, lead us through these situations. Father, for mainly for our hospitals and the staffs that work there, Father, they're at risk too. And, Father, we are just so thankful for their willingness to do what they can to help us. And, Father, we pray that you protect them. Most of all, we pray that you be with our families, our family here, our church family, our members here, that we can support each other, that we can uh, care for each other call each other, just do what we can to, to lift each other up and, and to lower the concerns and the, uh, the, the anxiety that we have. Father, we just pray that uh, we just uh, take a pause and, and, and look to you for that comfort. Father, again, we ask that you watch over us, uh, be with us as we um, go through this process. We pray that we can, can look to you for, for guidance. Father, we especially want to pray for the McCoy family at the loss of loved ones, the Tavery family, the York family, those that have recently gone through uh, additional struggles. And Father, we want to lift them up to you. Father, as we continue this service this morning, uh, we pray that you can, again, uh, help us to, to reflect on uh, the, the, the vulnerability we, we have, that uh, sometimes we think we're in charge of things and then we realize we just need to step back and, and look to you. Father, go with us as we continue this, uh, this service this morning. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Okay. Your only son. 
songs when when we hit the right notes and the songs are on make the hair on the on my arms and the back of my neck stand up uh when when uh alan or whoever's up here for for the lesson really makes me stop and think uh, i i can leave here blessed and and really looking at something to to apply to to my life and my daily walk but this is what we have to look forward to, along with the singing uh, in heaven, we get to sit down. When we get there, we will get to sit down with Christ and have this meal that he is patiently waiting for us to get there and join him. Uh, and it's even better than the hairs on my arm standing up on a good song. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, we come before you to ask your blessings on this, this bread. Father God, the, the body of your son that was hung on the cross for us, the, the body that was buried and the body that was resurrected, that you breathed life back into and brought back for us. The, the sacrifice, one for all, for all time. Father God, we ask that we be mindful of that and we share in the joy of that hope that we have because of the sacrifice. Through your son's name we pray, amen.
Master, let me walk with Thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me Thy secret, help me bear the strength of toil, the fret of Let's pray again. Father God, we come before you now to ask your blessings on this cup, the, the blood that was shed both through torture and through the hanging on the cross, Lord, the, the blood that you required for our holiness, the, the blood that, that washes us clean. Father God, again, we rejoice in the thought that because of that sacrifice, we will one day eat this feast with Christ. And we thank you for that. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. Help me, the slow of heart to move by some clear winning word of love. Teach me the Let's pray for the offering. Father God, we thank you that we are a blessed people. By the world standards, Lord, we are the richest country in the world. We have so much to be thankful for, and it's all from you. Father God, I ask that you would bless this offering that we give, knowing that it was never ours, but it's always yours. It's always been yours. It will always be yours. 
And no matter what we do, what you want will always happen. But Father God, we ask that you would allow us to be a part of your kingdom here on earth, that we would do with these funds what you would have us do to bring glory and honor to you, to be your hands and feet in this broken world. Through your son's name we pray, amen. Howdy. I'll be reading from 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 3. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, and that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Please stand on this song before I listen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my our chaos back into order who makes the orphan 
a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm already a little tired of it. I don't know if you aren't. I went to Chick-fil-A to pick up a quick bite to eat and discovered that they were not serving in the dining room and the line went out and around. It's normally a long line. But at 4 o'clock, you figure I can at least sort of... There was this sweet little girl. I was on the wrong side of the building, and nobody was in that slot. And she said, here, just come on in here, and I'll take your order. I was there five minutes and out. <laughs> I, the, the, uh, a Cadillac Escalade came in around the corner behind me, and I thought, oh, they hate me bad. But I, it wasn't my fault. I'm fairly certain of it. Fear. Fear is something that the devil has used for as long as there has been temptation. And it's amazing how often the devil will try to utilize fear to try and make us feel isolated. And particularly to make us 
to tempt us into isolating ourselves from others and pushing people away to actively be about that process. For as long as Christianity has existed, starting with Jesus, there was always this sense that Christians weren't going to let that fear overcome them. And be sure you understand that I'm fully aware that what Jesus was doing when he touched the leper and touched the blind man and touched uh, the woman who was having trouble with an issue of blood, when Jesus did that, he was saying, spiritually, you can't infect me, I'm going to bless you. But what's interesting is, is the people who followed in his footsteps for generations to come lived out the command, that, uh, the, the, the instruction that Paul gave, 1 Timothy, if someone is sick, the elders should go, and what should the elders do? Anoint their head with oil, anoint them with oil, maybe they're not their head, but, and lay their hands on them. And for 2,000 years, as the various plagues and infections have affected the world, the Christians have been the one who have said, if you're ill, you're not going to be alone. Now, I want to be sure and say that's very different than being someone who's ill and choosing to then go out into public and infect other people. Understand? That's not what we're talking about. In fact, there are times that political entities will say, you need to isolate that group. And if you don't isolate them, we're going to punish you the way that we punish them. And thank God that there were Christians in the middle of World War II in Germany and in France and in Holland and in Italy that said to their Jewish neighbors, we'll hide you. And some of them paid the ultimate price of their life. But it was because they saw that the fear that the state at that time, but in, make no mistakes, the tool of fear is not just the states. The tool of fear is Satan's. They said, that's not going to win the day. God's going to win the day. We're not going to let them feel alone. We're not going to let them feel abandoned. We see God calling us to something else. I want to ask you to do me a favor over this next week and... and and maybe beyond that. Now, uh, Frank, um, thank you for being so prepared to word this morning's prayer and, and leading us in that and particularly calling us, as, as is always true, it's kind of like when we, when we celebrate Thanksgiving, we say, please don't just be thankful one little season of the year. Don't just pray one day of the year. I'm calling you to something that, that because you do it now, it may wind up turning into a, a habit. I want you to set an alarm for three times a day. I think most of you have phones that will do that. If you don't, figure out how it is that you remind yourself of things. I'd like every day for you to have an alarm go off three different times. Let's say once in the morning, once in the early afternoon, and once in the evening. It doesn't have to be a specific time. But this is what I want you to do. I didn't bring the caring and sharing up with me, but in the caring and sharing, we have a list of people that we call our vulnerable members, those who are most likely to wind up being isolated. Some of them are isolated because 
their health doesn't allow them to leave the home and things like that. Three times a day, morning, early afternoon, evening. I want you to pick up your phone and I want you to call one of the people on that list. By the way, I give you that list because it gives you a place to start, but it's not a place to end. Does that make sense? It may be that one of the three times out of the day you decide, I have a neighbor that I want to be sure and check on. By the way, you want to talk about a great opportunity to say to your neighbors, uh, I realize we don't need to necessarily share germs actively, but I sure hope I have your phone number. If you don't have your neighbor's phone numbers, this is that opportunity to say there's a reason because I don't want you to feel isolated and alone. If somebody doesn't pick up the phone, doesn't answer, particularly if you do it two days in a row, the same person they don't answer, I'm going to ask you to do something extraordinarily difficult. Are you ready? This, I mean, only really committed disciples of Christ would do this. So I'm asking you a lot. If they don't pick up the phone two days in a row, I want you to get a, it's called a piece of paper. And there's this other thing called a pen. A pencil will also work. It typically, pencils work better if you sharpen them. I want you to write a note. And there's this thing called an envelope and a stamp. And I want you to put the note in the envelope and, and, and sometimes you'll have to actually lick it to seal it up. And then you put the stamp on the outside and then you put the person's address on the envelope and I want you to send them a note. And if they're in Lake Jackson, it probably should get there in a couple of days. No promises. USPS hadn't, has to send everything to Houston before it comes back here again. At least that's the way I understand it. But why? Because we're not going to let... The efforts, and, and again, forgive me if you don't see disease in the world as something that Satan uses to, to harm and cause fear. But we don't want that fear to make people feel isolated. And we're going to be extra diligent about that. High school kids are always kind of interacting online. I'm asking you to help us become better at engaging without having to be face-to-face. -face. Maybe, just maybe, you need to knock on a door. Please be very careful about that because, again, it is contagious. And to be careless is not to be helpful. I pray that you'll uh, step into that challenge and for a week make what will work out to be 21 extra text messages 21 extra phone calls or maybe you're just one of those extraordinary people that's going to write 21 notes to people please let us know how that goes because I think you'll be a blessing to others but you know what wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me guess who will be most blessed that's the way Jesus and the spirit have always worked it is when we give that we discover that we receive the most. Is anybody tired of human frailty? I mentioned this in the introduction. I am extremely tired of human frailty. I was actually younger than you guys were when I think it kind of hit home for me. My family was visiting India. We had been extremely careful. Uh, my sister had gotten sick and, and I actually prayed that 
if God thought I would be strong enough to help to carry it better than she would, that he'd, he'd get her well and make me sick. There have been very few things in my life that the power of prayer has acted more quickly because within 24 hours I had amoebic dysentery. She didn't immediately recover, but she recovered much quicker than I did. Um, uh, we can trace it back to one sip on a, on a Coke bottle uh, that was enough to transfer that to me. I was 12 years old, and I realized that my body was not my own. It was broken, and it could be broken very easily, and when it was broken, there was very little I could do to make it better. We were back in the United States eight weeks later, and I still couldn't eat anything that I wanted to eat, just anything that I wanted to eat, because it had that kind of lingering effect. But make no mistakes, that sense of human frailty just kind of grows, doesn't it? Um, back when I used to could work all day long in the yard and not really have much trouble, those days are long since past. Some of you have been hired by me because I can't work all day long and I need your help with certain kinds of things. And that's very anti my personality. I can do it myself was something I was known for when I was five years old. I can do it myself and I've grown up with that sense of that. But human frailty reaches into all of our lives. And so far I've only talked about physical frailty. But what we realize is as we live is that we are vulnerable to temptation and sin always. I am in a lifelong battle against sin. There are certain sins that just kind of keep coming up and I keep fighting them. And sometimes I feel like I'm making progress and sometimes there are things that I realize I'm not. I can remember the first time that I'd always heard about all the, way, uh, all the ways other people were racist and then it came home to me and I realized I too have that seed of that sin in my life. I'd always talked about all those rich people and how greedy they were and then I suddenly realized I didn't have to have that much money to be greedy. I can remember when Jesus brought it home very pointedly to me that what I called love was mostly just serving myself and not really laying down my life. Is anyone tired of sin and human frailty? Let's now make that not a rhetorical question. Is anyone, are you tired of human frailty and sin? Yes. Me too. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we live in a broken world, not because you created it broken, but because of our rebellion, it has become broken. And we confess that although we want to point fingers at Adam or Eve or whatever we want to point at, we recognize that sin is a part of us just like it's a part of everybody else. And that brokenness permeates our world. That brokenness impacts disease. That brokenness is what death comes from. That brokenness is what makes people hate each other. Father, we want to be part of your healing 
We want to be part of your recreation. We want to be part, even before it's fully realized, we want to be part of your making all things new. We ask for your spirit to come and partner with us. We ask that our hearts will be softened and constantly turned in repentance towards you. Not blaming sin on others, but always seeing how we play a part. Father, as we open your word today, it is my prayer that we will catch a glimpse of the living hope that Jesus is the first fruits of and that we're invited to anticipate in the life that is to come. May it not just be about wishful thinking about something in the future, but may it change the way we live and think today. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we all say. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but someone will ask, how? By the way, this is your question too. You may phrase it differently, but how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as He has determined. And to each kind of seed, He gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Human beings have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, and the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body or a body prepared for the spirit. We will be changed. Dishonor to honor or glory. And you need to understand that the translators here are working with words that Paul selects carefully, but their meanings are expansive. And oftentimes when we try to use our translations to narrow it down to some small thing that is changing, instead Paul's language here is intended to say everything is going to change. You can anticipate a greater change than anything you can imagine. In fact, one author likes to say it this way, when when the biblical writers talk about the new creation, when the biblical writers talk about what God is going to do when He finally brings all things together, they are imaginations about the unimaginable. They are imaginations about the unimaginable. And so Paul delves into this long list of things. You know how bodies change. I will never forget. Um, My grandfather was a preacher. um, Most of the time, uh, a, 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 uh, 
what do you call it when you work at one job and you preach on the side, a, a, a self-supported preacher. Um, he started preaching during the Depression and, and chickens weren't cutting it, so he decided to do something else and, and preached on the side, but preached all his life. But I remember this lesson maybe more than any others. He was preaching out of exactly this text, and he was a farmer, and he handed each of us a kernel of corn. It was in June in East Texas. And that morning, he had gone out and yanked up about a seven or eight foot tall stalk of corn and said, does that body look like this body? It had changed. Now, yes, the ears of corn contained the little seed. But what came out of the seed was incredibly different, incredibly powerful. It had gone from a weak state to a very powerful state. It didn't become imperishable and it didn't become immortal, but it changed. And we, we don't, we're not surprised by that. That's kind of normal part of what we understand life to be about. But Paul is saying, you're asking about the resurrection. And what you need to know is things are going to change. Things are going to be different. And while Jesus is the first fruits, and we talked about this last week, Jesus and his resurrection, and the reality of, as Luke says it, his flesh and bone resurrection, is the model on which we can base what we're looking forward to in eternity. Paul says, you got to know that who you are, how you are, is going to be changed. It is going to move from a natural status, and again, the last line of the scripture was to a spiritual status. And you might say, Alan, it sounds to me like he's pointing towards disembodiment, that we will be spiritual beings. But if you read in the context of 1 Corinthians, what you understand is, is that he is comparing the natural body that is full of sin with the spiritual body that is relieved of the sin problem. A body that is prepared not to live in a world that is surrounded by temptation and flaws and brokenness, but instead a body, and I don't know about you, but this is hard to imagine, a body that is prepared to live in purity and in holiness in the presence of God. And just for me, now I know some of you, and, and, and I think you're, some of you are just, well, I think all of you are pretty wonderful people, but there are some of you that are extraordinarily special. And I think that you're pretty close already to what God intends for us to be in that world. And don't blush when I talk about you that way. But God is going to change us. God is going to make us new. We will put off the dishonor of the flesh and we will put on the honor or the glory of what Paul will say is the body prepared for the spirit. We will put off the weakness that we have and we will come in power. In another book, Paul will say the power that's going to be at work in us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It will put off the perishable nature and everything in our world has that perishable nature, doesn't it? I mean, we, we even talk about the science of someday our sun eventually perishing. Everything we know in this world seems to have an a, uh, exp expiration date. Maybe more than anything, our human bodies. 
That and, of course, the jug of milk that's been in the refrigerator just a little bit too long. It's not going to have that anymore. And the mortal will put on immortality. That which is always destined to die will be changed into something that will never see death. The hope of the glorious. I want to give you a few implications very quickly, and then I'll move on. I hope it's okay today that having begun the sermon with a very direct and very practical way to be God's people in the world, that as I end the sermon today, I'm just going to talk about ways to think about things. So, very quickly. There will be no more frailty or brokenness. Now, that has huge implications, and I want to ask you to engage your imagination about the unimaginable. And every time this week that you, you are faced with the frailty and the brokenness of your humanness, your human body, and the world, I want you to think, wow, how is God going to change that? And maybe you won't get it right, but in the process of imagining it, we stretch our minds into what God wants to bring. Number two, there'll be no more tears and sadness. This has huge implications. And, and I don't have time to go into all the ways in which that impacts us. But every time you think about heaven and you think, that'll be wonderful, but... You know, some of you have, have heard the descriptions of heaven that we're just going to have a, a song, long, long, eternal song service. And you say, I don't really like singing all that much. I can promise you that whatever heaven is going to be, and make no mistakes when it talks about the angels singing all the time around the throne, it's imaginations about the unimaginable. What worship will be 24-7 for God I don't think we have any way to fully comprehend. But what I can promise you is there will be nothing disappointing about it to you. Is your favorite thing in worship to get up and, and hug people and say, it's so good to see you? Or is your favorite thing in worship to sit all by yourself and listen to the wonderful preaching that challenges your mind to expand sitting in your little spot? What I can promise you is whatever heaven's going to be, whatever the new creation is going to be, heaven on earth, you're not going to be disappointed with it. There will be no more dying and death. Apparently you didn't hear me. There'll be no more dying and death. I am scheduled to go for my colon... Uh, no, sorry to go for my CT scan five years after I completed chemotherapy for colon cancer. Last fall, I went to my appointment and the doctor said, you don't ever have to come and see me again. And I will tell you that I'm not prepared for that. But the other thing that I need to admit to you is that for five years I've been going to see him once a year to get this CT scan. And every time you go, there's a little reminder in the back of your heart that says death could not be all that far away. And it makes you breathe a little heavier. And it makes you a little sad. 
makes you not want to go because if I don't know, then what? But that's not the right answer. No more, not just no more death, but no more dying. And finally, and this is the hardest one, it takes the most imagination to conceive of this. But the glorious body, the body that's sown mortal and is birth immortal, that is sown perishable and is birth imperishable, will have no proclivity to temptation or sin. You know, the death and dying thing is something that I can grasp and I can say, wow, won't that change the world? Because it is so far beyond my imagination what it would be like to live fully actualized, fully active, fully flesh and blood, excuse me, flesh and bone, and to not have sin be part of the picture. I want to ask you this week, and you may say to me, Alan, I don't really struggle with sin on a weekly basis, maybe a monthly basis. If that's you, then wait for the month. But if you're like me, and maybe even on a daily basis, maybe even on an hourly basis, you struggle with some sort of temptation to be a little lazy, to give a little less, to not love somebody, just for a split second, I want you to think that there'll be a day and that will never again be part of who we are. Let's end with Paul's words. Listen, I tell you a mystery. I like the way Paul uses mystery here. There's an end that's coming and it's, and it's sure and it's a promise. But its content is still mysterious. Tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we, we will all be changed. And now here's the really good news. Because of what Jesus did and because of the Holy Spirit, because of the power of his blood and because of the way he's opened a path to the power of the blood and the Holy Spirit through the waters of baptism, guess what? The change of eternity can be at least deposited in your life. That process can start today for everyone. Are you interested in starting the change? Won't you come as we stand and as we sing? Make me new, Lord Jesus, make me new. For it seems that in so many ways I'm not enough like you. Take this weary vessel I am in and mold me once again. Take my life, take my spirit, make me new. Make me new, Lord Jesus, make me new. 
Cause I'm not enough like you Take this weary vessel I have been And mold me once again Take my life, take my spirit Make me new Well, if you had told me last week that we would have all these empty seats here in the auditorium this right now, here I'd be a little bit disappointed. But, uh, you know, considering all that's happened in the last week, I think we've got a pretty good turnout here. And hopefully we've set a new record for our live streaming audience, but I don't know if that's 19. And that's a record, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Very good. I uh, want to welcome our visitors here. And I think, yes, we do have some bread, it looks like. So if, if you want to raise your hand as they pass by, uh, we'd uh, like to give you a small token of our appreciation. Um, you know, as one thing Alan stressed was communication here. And, and uh, we have the church website here is, is one place you can go to to get information. Uh, we try to keep that up to date, and that's one place that uh, you can go to to, uh, to get some more information. We've also talked about the, the texting capability. Alan had you enter that, uh, text that uh, number, and uh, you should be getting, that will enable you to get text directly from the church also. So we've, we've got, we're trying to, to communicate to you. I mean, there's also the church office too that we will have people, staff that you can call. Uh, mentioned life groups. Uh, each life group is is really making its own decision on whether they're going to meet or not. And I think most of them are not meeting. But if you have any questions, if you haven't been contacted, contact uh, your life group leader, and and they're making their own decisions on that. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about here is a little bit uh, practical things. Here is is some some different methods to, to address the flu here. One is, is wash your hands. Lisa's telling me to do something here. I don't know what she's trying to say. The virus, okay. To address the virus, I forget. I don't know what I said then. Uh, wash your hands regularly. You know, if you sneeze, sneeze into your elbow. Don't touch your face. You know, they, they, in this guidelines it said keep three feet away from you know, keep, you know, have some distance there. And, and if you are feeling bad, stay home. And one that I was going to add is, you know, um, pray. You know, that's probably the, the most powerful thing you can do is, is to go in and pray, prayer to God to, to help address that. And after Alan's lesson here, I think another one is communication. You know, with the people not being here, it's, it's an important that we communicate with them. I mean, the church is sending out information, but we're not necessarily getting that information. So like Alan suggested, uh, you know, giving a call to not only the vulnerable men members, I have trouble pronouncing that, uh, but also if there's somebody that you talk to normally every Sunday and they're not here today, you know, give them a call during the week because, you know, that we, we want to get... We don't want to isolate people here. We want to make sure we've got a two-way communication if we can, can do that. So we want to do that. Um, let's 
some of the other things here. Um, wanted to uh, remember the Royce McCoy family uh, at the passing of, of Royce. And remember Belinda Tavery's brother died, uh, John McWilliams, and from Highland, Texas. And also, I guess, James Smith had an incident here earlier this, this morning here. And uh, uh, I don't know if we have any update on that or not, but it uh, looked, I think, basically he, he maybe fainted is what happened, but I don't know that for sure. Um, and we have several people that have had s successful surgery here right lately, and we need to continue to pray for, pray for their recovery. Bernice Skinner, uh, Jeff McLon, and Gary McDaniel. McDaniel, who is Ron's brother. So let us go to prayer here. I'm sorry? I meant to do this earlier, but uh, not everybody was able to be there Saturday, so I did want to have stand and introduce. Kevin, would you stand and, and uh, where you are? Kevin? And this is his fiance, Alyssa, and we are really glad to have them here today. Won't you please welcome them, Kevin and Alyssa? Okay, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, you know, we don't know what uh, is in store for us in the coming week here, uh, but we do know that you're in control of everything. And, and Father, we can only put our faith in you and, and ask that you fill us with your spirit and give us the peace that only you can give us. Let us, uh, you know, fill us with your, with your wisdom and, and, and uh, peace. Father, we ask that you be with those that were mentioned here today. Um, let them feel the present, your, their, your presence in their lives, uh, comfort them at, at this time, and, and heal them also. Father, we ask that you be with us in the coming week here as, as we go forward, and, and help us as we, we go to, to uh, really some new territory here, and, and, and help us make the right decisions as we go forward here. Uh, Father, we Thank you for sending your son who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we close. Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness shining. Light of the world shine upon us, set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me, shine on me, shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory.
and grace and mercy send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. Who's God? God.